I have from my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, my Divine Spiritual Master, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas, and therefore you are the most worshipable within the three worlds. Hare Krishna. And you see that uh, Krishna's Kaviraj Maharaj had left home because of a discrepancy at his house, his brother, although he worshipped Lord Chaitanya, he neglected Lord Niyananda. And in a dream, after <coughs> chastising his brother, Lord Niyananda had come to Kaviraj Goswami and encouraged him, yes, you have done the right thing. And he ordered him, you go to Vrindavan, for there you will attain all things. And as soon as he awoke from the dream, that immediately started for Vrindavan. <coughs> and oftentimes in life, we find that there is a norm that is set by our families, by society. In fact, people in this world think that the status quo is something important to keep. In other words, we have buildings, we have cities with lots of congestion. People often grow up, they go to school, then they work very hard, they get a family, they struggle within the family, they serve their family, they say, I would like to become a devotee, and then everyone says, no, you can't, you have to stay and serve us. And parents often say, after the parents struggle, suffer, have not much to show, then if the children want to become Krishna conscious, parents say, no, you follow what I've done. You stay, and you also struggle and suffer. <laughs> this is the status quo in the material world. And there's a, a, a false sense of security that people develop here in this world. This is something that Shukadeva Goswami mentions. Atmasainesha satsapi, tesham prampatunidhanam pashyanapina pashyati. He says that everyone's depending on fallible soldiers in this world. Like many years ago, when I was at Vrindavan, I was staying at the MBT and some dacoits came and they had broken into one place. There was some havoc in the middle of the night. And the next day we were getting information about what happened. I don't know exactly what happened. One thing I do know is the Chokidar ran away. <laughs> I would see Chokidars everywhere. They're always standing there all day and all night. They're getting paid something. But then when real danger comes, they take off. <laughs> I'm sure there's some good Chokidar somewhere, but mostly they don't get paid enough to stay and get killed by a Dakwit. And similarly, these fallible soldiers, they say, oh, I'll protect you. I'm your mother, father, wife, children, husband, all these ideas about where we'll find security in this world, they all take off when the real danger comes, when death comes, 
nobody can save anyone. So reality means to understand that we're only dependent on Krishna. Krishna is our maintainer. Nobody else. Also, Krishna is the one who protects me. Nobody else. Mari Krishna Raki Ke, Raki Krishna Mari Ke. And to have a, de a life devoted to taking Krishna's protection only and being maintained by Krishna only is actual happiness. Everything else is anxiety. That's why the whole material world runs on anxiety only. Everyone's simply worried. When will my plans fall through? And they always fall through. Even at Kurukshetra, the first chapter of the Gita, we find out that Arjuna is saying, why am I getting the opposite of what I wanted? I came here for some kind of victory to get something, but now I'm seeing I'm getting the opposite. And this is, this is true. This is, this is the material world. So to take to Krishna consciousness is intelligent. It's such a rare opportunity also. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to keep a shloka above his bed. Labvam sudur labamidam bahusam bhavante manusham artadam anityam apihadira turnam yate tanapate ranam shreya shaya vishaya kalusaravatasyad. And that is that this human life is very, very rare. Labvam sudulabam. Sudulabam, it's so rare to get this opportunity. And it comes about sambhavante, after many, many births. Bahu sambhavante. Manushamartadam anityam. It's temporary, but it's very valuable. Artadam. You can get all value from the human form of life. Turnam yate tanapateranamrityayav. And therefore, before you've, you've, this body drops off, which could be at any time. Because you don't get a lease when you get this body. Did you get a lease? A lease agreement. You have it? You have it somewhere, right? Maybe it's back in your room? In the car somewhere? You left it home. No lease. No guarantee. Your body can fall down at any minute. Nusheya Shaya Vishaya Kalusaravata said, Sense gratification is available everywhere at all times. It just comes by its own accord. Therefore, uh, you don't have to try so hard for it. Instead, try for spiritual life. Use your energy, especially from the very beginning. Prahlad Maharaj told his class friends, don't fall for this stupid thing people say that you wait till you get older to take the spiritual life. In the dictionary you see the the word stupidity and next to it there's this definition example wait till you're older to take the spiritual life. <laughs> That's stupidity. And anyone who tells you that is their picture is next to that word in the picture dictionary. Don't be stupid. Give your whole life and soul 
to Krishna consciousness, take full shelter of Krishna. It's a very rare human form of life. You don't have to take instruction from anybody but Krishna and Krishna's representative. Not required. You may officially, to maintain some balance, say, yes, sir, very good, sir, I agree, sir. But inside, we don't accept anything except for Krishna's instruction from the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam. So with that spirit, we understand that actually the real help that we can give to people in life is to remind them that they're part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that Sango Hyayam Purushaha the little jiva has nothing to do with this material world at all. And the best way to do that is through the Sankirtan movement. Human life is for sacrifice. That's where happiness comes from. Ignorance means to not know how the world works. People don't know, first of all, that the material world is a place of suffering. In business, there's a way in which you, you position your products so that you manage people's expectations. If they expect too much from a product, they'll be very disappointed when they get it. So you have to manage expectations. Marketing, anyone? No? Engineering. So in, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna manages our expectation. He says, A Brahma Bhuvana Loka Punar Avarti Norjana Mamu Peitya Tukantaya Punar Janma Naviditya don't expect anything in this world except for suffering from topmost planet to the bottom. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> Probably does because if you expect more than that then you become disappointed. You say, why, why are so many bad things happening? Well, they're supposed to. But he also tells how to make the world work. You have to know how it works. It works by yagya. Human beings are built for yajna. Kama senendriya pritir labo jiveti yavata jiva sitatva jignasya narto yascheha karmavi. Srimad Bhagavatam says human beings aren't built for sense gratification. You can't get very much sense gratification. It's all flickering, it's in the mind. You don't actually even touch sense gratification. You just look at it in your mind as it goes through and you try to get some enjoyment mentally. But real happiness, real connection with the Supreme comes from yajna, from doing sacrifice. And the best yajna is the Sankirtan yajna. Every age has a prescribed yajna. And if you follow the prescribed yajna, then you'll not only be happy, but everyone you're connected to will be happy as well. And your life will be full of abundance. So in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Karabhajana Muni tells us that the Kali Yuga is actually an age that we can celebrate. Because in Kali Yuga, through the Sankirtan Yajna, Sarva Swarato Pilabhyate, he says, you can fulfill all your desires. So Kaviraj Goswami wrote about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, about his life, the esoteric reasons why he came, the exoteric reasons he came. And he also tells what his method was for performing yajna. 
and how he wanted us to perform yajna. And through our acharyas, we have learned through their example of how to engage everything in this Sankirtan Yajna. And especially through our line of disciplic session, you'll notice the acharyas all pose the, when they are depicted either through paintings or through pictures, photographs with their books. Because even back to the very beginning picture of Lord Brahma, at the beginning of the universe, you'll notice that he's holding a book. Have you noticed on the cover of the Brahma Sankhita? Brahma's holding a book. Does that seem a little bit anachronistic to you? Does it seem funny, Brahma's holding a book? Say yes. Say yes. yes. No, say yes. yes. Why? Why does it seem funny? Because there are no printing presses at that time. It's symbolic. And Rabindra Prabhu wrote the foreword to my book, Our Family Business, and he was telling me in his research he found that we are called the Sampradaya of the book. Because the contribution that our Sampradaya makes to the world is transcendental knowledge. And the best way of helping people in this world is to give them transcendental knowledge. Any community that I go to where the devotees are engaged in book distribution has a special quality to it. And the reason is, when we go out into the great unknown, that's the public, we don't know what's going to happen when we go out there. We get a special sense of connection to Krishna by just depending on him for what's ever going to happen. Do you all go out on book distribution? Say yes. yes. And when you go out, you never know what's going to happen next, right? You don't know. I've been going out on book distribution since I joined Hare Krishna movement. And every time I go out, it's a new experience because I don't know what's going to happen. That's a nice service, as every time you, you have to start over again and pretend like you're a complete neophyte, you don't know what's going to happen next. And because you don't, you just have to depend on Krishna. And so the acharyas, they present perfect transcendental knowledge, like the Goswamis are mentioned, nana shastra vicharanaika nipano shadharma samstapago. They're sunipana, shastra sunipana. They take all the essential points of shastra and they put them so that we can take to the yajna for the age. And if we carry that knowledge out and we give it to people, then we get what I like to call spiritual oxygen. Because like in a temple community, you have to breathe. Or an organism has to breathe. You breathe out carbon dioxide and you breathe in what? Oxygen. Oxygen. So when we go out to distribute books and we watch and see the miracle of transmitting transcendental knowledge to others and how it either awakens them or even sometimes repulses them. We were laughing the other day because sometimes we go door to door it's very rare, but it's a relishable experience. Someone opens the door, 
They look at us for like half a second and then they slam the door. <laughs> I'm always thinking like, how did you decide so quickly <laughs> that you just didn't want to see us anymore? <laughs> and, and then, and on the other side, there's people that start crying. They say, oh, I've been waiting for this my whole life. The other day, the devotees told me that they met a man who was 100 years old. 100 years old. According to the actuary tables, his lease is going to run out anytime soon. But he had heard of Bhagavad Gita. He always wanted to get Bhagavad Gita. And then he got it. He felt satisfied, happy. And how happy were the devotees that they were instrumental in delivering it to that person before he leaves this world. This is the kind of oxygen you get. Even Srila Bhaktisiddhanta said, when you're preaching and people ignore you, they refuse you, they argue against you, he said, this is spiritual blood for your spiritual body. Chid rakta for your chid sharira. I notice the devotees who go out for book distribution regularly and they do it as a sadhana. We're not going out for some result. The scores, you know, we keep that because what gets measured gets improved. If you can't measure something, if you don't measure something, you can't improve it. So on a macro scale, we look at how to organize book distribution so we can increase it. We use all modern methods of management in order to increase book distribution, to make it huge. Because right now it's just tiny little thing we're doing around the world. We need to increase 10, 50, 100 fold in order to inundate the earth through transcendental literature. But actually book distribution is, is sadhana. It's a kind of way that we commune with the Supreme Personality of God by going out on book distribution. And just imagine Kaviraj Goswami taking time to compile the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And then, how would he feel if he sees all of you there distributing that to people door to door in their offices and making it available? At the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur couldn't even find a copy of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. You know, Prabhupada was so eager to get the book out that he pushed the BBT in Los Angeles, 1975. They were producing one, one book every two months. And Prabhupada had already rushed ahead and he had finished the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And then he told the BBT personnel at that time that he wanted all 17 books published within two months. And the head of the BBT at that time, Rameshwar Prabhu, said, but Prabhupada, that's impossible. But, comma, Prabhupada, comma, that's impossible, period. And Prabhupada said, impossible is the word used in a fool's dictionary. Because Prabhupada was following the order of a spiritual master, and he had the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which was, of course, it's mentioned that the members of the Pajitapha, they didn't consider who was a fit or unfit candidate, they didn't consider one place or another better than another. They go anywhere and distribute like madmen the transcendental knowledge. They have the urgency. Maya mrigam tayiti ipsitanam vadavan. 
Mahaprabhu chased after the living entities in this material world. There's a sense of urgency that people have to have this. So Prabhupada always had that sense of urgency. And ultimately the, the devotees were able to produce all 17 volumes within uh, two months. So, just to summarize, I'm kind of speaking in, in a f randomly here about the topic. The fact is, you're young, you're very lucky because you have a human form of life. You're born in very high positions. You have above average intelligence. You're in Bharat. This is where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave the order. Bharata Bhumate Hoila Manasa Janmajar Janmasar Tak Pari Paru Upakar Kari Paru Upakar. He said, do good for others by distributing this transcendental Sankirtan movement. And so, you could just take it and use your God-given intelligence how to expand the Sankirtan movement. I highly recommend that you give your attention to reading these transcendental literatures, especially the, the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Nectar of Devotion, the Nectar of Instruction, teachings of Lord Chaitanya. What else is there? Huh? Krishna book. And so on. I'm going to Govardhan either tomorrow or the next day every year. This will be my 20th year uh, staying at Govardhan. And what we do out there, we take five hours a day to read Prabhupada's books. We stay in a room for five hours every day and we hear. So when I met Prabhupada in 1973 in San Francisco, I was introduced as part of the book distribution party. Prabhupada looked at me and said, you must also read the books. He said, I've not written these books simply for selling. I've written them for you to read, become pure devotees, and go back home, back to Godhead. So it's very important to be on a schedule to read all of Prabhupada's books and repeatedly. Because they're, they're a perfect synthesis of everything that's been given by Krishna and the Acharyas. And assimilating what you have now is remarkable. It's a remarkable feat to be able to assimilate it, and it's also what it makes of you to assimilate it is remarkable. Anyone, you'll, you'll notice, anyone anywhere in the Krishna conscious movement that's actually assimilated the teachings that Prabhupada's given in detail in his books that Lord Krishna gives, Lord Chaitanya gives, is remarkable in their ability to understand how the world works and present it to others within the context of the authorized Vedic scriptures. That's a worthy occupation. So take up the process that's been passed down through the great Acharyas, the Sampradaya of the book, and dedicate yourselves to studying the transcendental literatures, and then uh, give them to other people as much as possible. Because it's actually fact that books change the world more than anything else. I have a seminar about this called the pen is mightier than the sword. And I prove through very basic trends that have become entrenched in human society that they come from the distribution of transcendental literature, but literature itself. What to speak of transcendental literature, 
which is mentioned in the Bhagavatam Tadvagvisargo Janataga Viplavo Yasmin Pratishlokamabadyabhyapi Namanyanantasya Shodkitaniya Shrinvanti Gayanti Grananti Sarava. Nardamuni says these literatures are special, they'll cause a revolution in the impious lives of this world's misdirected civilization. So please ask some questions to expand the conversation. Yes, Prabhu. Do you have a second mic or is this the only one? So any 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 uh, event or any kind of uh, event in book distribution that that is that can be inspiration for us in book distribution and some tips that so that we encourage them. Sure. Yes, uh, <coughs> a few tips. One tip is to follow the instruction of the Srimad Bhagavatam in which Madhyama Adhikari Ishvare Taradi Neshu Bhalisheshu Dusatsucha Prema Maitri Kupopeksha Yakaroti Samadhyamaha should make distinctions and that is that you should understand there's a Supreme Personality of Godhead and you could channel all your love to Him you should see the devotees and you should develop appropriate friendship with the devotees you should see the innocent you should be able to recognize who is innocent and then you pour in as much mercy as possible and then you should be able to identify the envious and for them you should be upeksha that is you should be avoidant and don't talk to them don't try to sell them books so when I teach this principle, first of all, it saves a lot of time. Because oftentimes devotees think that the success of my book distribution means to convince every single person to take a book. It's not going to happen. And if you think that that's success, then you'll always feel unsuccessful. There's a portion of people out there, a small portion, who are already a little bit open. And those are the people that you should find through selection. You don't have to convince everybody, and the more you do it, book distribution that is, the better you get at convincing people. But it's easier and smarter, and in line with Shastra, to start by finding the people who are already ripe. So I, I teach this in my seminar as picking the ripe fruits. When you go to a tree, which fruits do you pick first? And how do you know they're ripe? Well, they're different color, they're different, they smell different, they diff feel different, they're soft, and so forth. And so people are like that too. You can tell when you're talking to people whether they're ripe or unripe. Right, Gopal Champu? Gopal Champu works in New York City on the streets. He sells at least seven books at a time. A big stack, called, they're called the Shaptarishi. They're tied together. Can you tell if somebody's open or they're not open? Let's ask him how he can tell what are the symptoms. One of the first symptoms is that they'll stop when you wave at them. So if someone, if you try to stop someone, they continue walking, you know that you don't go after them. Continue letting people walk. 
Another thing we do is we ask them how much they'd like to read. So we say on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like to read? Is that picture on you? Did you switch it? No. Put it. So we ask the people on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like to read? And, you know, some will answer 11. And you know such a person is ready to receive the knowledge. So in that way, we, um, like Maharaj was saying, we select. Let's give an example of mango. There's a nice big mini world in India, so you know that when there's a nice ripe mango, it's basically jumping off the tree. And so a similar analogy. So if we mango, you know, pull, try to pull it off, the right mango, and it's nice and ready, you know, take it off. Thank you. If you if you take that to heart, it'll save you a lot of trouble, and save people out there a lot of trouble too. Because oftentimes I see uh, beginners, they uh, actually try to somebody, and when somebody indicates that they're not interested, they continue <laughs> presenting, or they might follow them. No, no, take, 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 take. Every once in a while it might work, but generally, people who are open are the ones that you want to look for and then present, instead of trying to convince everybody and then feeling that you failed when you didn't. So select, selection is a lot easier than, than trying to convince everybody. So that's one thing. Another thing is that in order to have a successful book distribution, you should also chant good japa. Find that if you sit with other devotees, when you chant, and you also give full attention to the, to the chanting as much as possible. Learn to focus your mind and hear the mantra. And be really present and pray when you're chanting, Krishna, please make me an instrument so I can distribute these books. Through that prayer, then Krishna will give you the wherewithal to distribute. And this is a... A process of being a, an instrument for Krishna. Should try to be an instrument and pass on Krishna's will through your activities. Are there other questions? Guruji, like you spend it's almost 50, 50 plus years in this movement. So many times we find challenges in our life, like some conditioning, some or some like other things like sometimes friends do not cooperate. So how to overcome that challenges, anxiety to follow the process and how to develop faith? Well, challenges will be there. I mentioned earlier that the material world is certified to Kalayam. If you're going to go to the Bojanalai, you might get some... If you want to go to the Dukalaya, you're going to get challenges constantly. And if you accept that from the beginning, that the material world is about challenges, and that the solution to the challenges is to go on steadily with your practice of devotional service. This is actually solace that no matter what happens to me in this life 
my vow is to continue chanting Hare Krishna. I was just listening to Prabhupada the other day, and he was talking about Haridas Thakur. And Prabhupada was saying, even when we get sick, we don't stop chanting. He said, this is, this is not devotee. That now I'm in trouble, now I'm sick, I stop chanting. And then he, he mentioned Haridas Thakur. Mahaprabhu saw that he wasn't well, and he said, you're old now, you don't have to chant so many rounds. And Haridas Thakur says, no, I always do my rounds. I'd rather die <laughs> than not finish my rounds. And so, the real solace is our practice, our personal practice. So, you make a vow, when you make a vow to fast on a fast day, it's easy, because you just don't eat. There's nothing really to do. You just don't eat. And you already decided at the beginning you're not going to eat, it's just not a question anymore. So we also decide that I'm going to surrender to Krishna, and the way I'm going to surrender to Krishna is I'm going to follow the process, at least all the basics chant at least 16 rounds a day, follow the four regular principles. And no matter what else happens, I'm going to continue to do that. And that becomes the foundation of one's life. And let whatever uh, uh, problems come, come. Because they will come one after the other. And you can watch, you'll see, throughout your life. It's just one thing after another. And everything you thought was going to work a certain way, it'll go the opposite way. Everything goes sideways in this world. Don't expect otherwise. But one thing you can depend upon is Krishna's word. He says, Sri He tells Arjuna, declare boldly that my devotee never perishes. And I'll save the person who takes shelter of me. So make that your life and soul. Jiva Goswami says, the devotees are always thinking about Sarvadharman Paritya how Krishna said that. That becomes their life and soul, that Krishna uttered those words. That if you just surrender unto me, I'll deliver you from all sinful reactions. The rest of the world's going to go the way it's going to go, but you have volition. You have the deciding power to continue your practice of devotional service. So go on, no matter what else happens, and don't stop. Other questions? Uh, two questions. First of all, uh, speak in the mic. Uh, what inspired you at the age of 16 to uh, join the Hare Krishna movement? And secondly, while book distribution, <coughs> I have a major doubt that even if they purchase a book, but we are not there uh, that uh, to check whether they are reading or not. That's the main <coughs> question. Like, will they? Uh, means if they actually read it, that it might benefit them. But because the Maya is uh, so much surrounding it, so we want association. Otherwise, we might degrade so, so easily. So that's the main question. That. Vijay Prabhu, who's the minister of recently wrote a book. And he asked me to write the introduction to the book. So in order to write the introduction, I had to read the book, which was a pleasure. 90% of the book is anecdotes of 
sto uh, anecdotal stories from devotees in the field distributing books. Practically every one of the stories are handpicked. I mean, there are thousands of stories, and they're all no less than miracles. But these are only the ones that got reported. In other words, there's only a certain number that we're going to actually see and get immediate feedback what happened with the book. But while I was reading that, my predominant thought was, there's a miracle every time a book is distributed. We just don't see it. And the ones we do catch, which are, you know, one out of a thousand, and we're able to record, and Vijay Prabhu puts in his book, we can see the miraculous way in which the internal energy interacts with the conditioned souls. Prabhupada was asked that question. He said sometimes, he said that the, the book may not be meant for the person who buys it. And you asked how I came to Krishna consciousness. One of my high school friends, Richie Corsa, he was out walking down the street, Berkeley, California, and a devotee jumped out and sold him a Back to Godhead magazine. He had no interest. But the devotee was expert, and he just said, you know, give a donation. It's like, okay. And so Richie came to my house, and he told me, I bought this magazine from Hare Krishna. He said, I'm not interested at all, but I know you are. Because at that time, I had taken a, all kinds of extreme measures, meditation and fasting and n taking vows of silence and things like that, because... I was very desperate to understand the absolute truth. And Richie brought me the magazine and he said, I don't like it, but I think you might. And so this happens, I know, because it happened to me. When I'm distributing books and I see somebody may not be so interested, or, you know, who knows if they're going to read it or not, I know that the book has a mind of its own. <laughs> And there's a way in which it finds its way to the target. Sometimes people say, well, listen, you've distributed half a billion books. Where's the half, half billion devotees? But really, mostly people who say that are people who don't go out on book distribution. Because <laughs> it's, it's really hard to understand the internal nature of book distribution unless you're actually out there doing it. That's why it's important to be out there regularly on some regular interval even if you're not a book distributor, everybody in the Krishna Consciousness Movement should go out and see how it's working. And then they'll know for themselves that chanting Hare Krishna on the streets has its effect. And so does book distribution. We may not know exactly how it works, but it, do, it does. Having said that, in my book, I wrote a, two chapters side by side. One chapter is called The Penny Principle. And that's about the way in which everybody gets credit when they give even a penny or they accidentally hear the Hare Krishna mantra. Agyata Sukriti is a fact. It's in Shastra. You can't deny it. The next chapter was about the thoughtfulness principle, and that is the more thoughtful we are in presenting Krishna consciousness to others, the more we present it in ways that appeals to people's sensibilities and we give a frame of reference so they can appreciate it, the deeper it goes in for them. And that includes following up with people who buy our books. And we should rack our brains for ways in which to follow up with people who buy the book and make sure that they have a next event to attend or a way to connect to us so 
they can have sangha, they can hear about the books and so forth. And all the tools that we have now available through the uh, modern technology, these should all be used. Otherwise, anasaktasya vishayan yatarham upayunjita nirbandha krishasambande yuktam vairangya muchite prapanchikatya buddhya harisambandhi vastuna umukshavi prityagyo vairagyam palugukatyate means if you have the means that you can use in Krishna service but you don't use it, this is false renunciation. So we should think of ways in which to utilize, all of you are uh, very educated and you know how to use energies in different ways, so use them. Figure out the ways and means, use management skills, use engineering, use your God-given intelligence to find out how to help people have a, an environment in which they can thrive in Christian consciousness. Prabhupada did all that. He thought about it so many times before he even came to America. He was planning, planning, planning how it what would take place, that he would not only distribute books, but he would also create uh, an oasis for people to come and actually take shelter and be able to practice. I was so grateful when I joined the Christian consciousness movement. I literally felt like a fish that had been put back in water. I can remember standing inside the temple after I made a break for it. You know, I got away from the, the uh, what is that called? The breakaway velocity or something? Is it you have to, what is it? Escape velocity. Yeah, when you're a kid, you know, I was under 18 and I had to have some escape velocity to get away from my family. Because legally you got to wait till you're 18, but somehow I pulled a fast one on them and I got out of there. I just dropped everything. I dropped my high school, I dropped my coach at school. I, everything, I was out and got in. And once I was behind, there was a glass door in the front of the San Francisco temple. And I remember once I got in that temple, I got my head shaved, put on my dhoti and tea lock, and I was looking out the window and I was going, I gotcha, I'm, I'm free, I'm out. I did it. I, I used my escape velocity, velocity and I got, I got the heck out of there. I couldn't stand one more day. The last day of my junior year in high school, I was, it was the summertime. Everyone, I was sitting on a hill. I, I used to sit on this hill and meditate right next to my high school. And I remember all the kids in my class, they were running, getting in their cars and driving off like crazy, like going, Yahoo, it's summertime. And I was thinking, we're in a universe. There's nowhere really to go. You know, the, like I was looking and I was thinking, we're in a vast universe, there's one little speck out there. It's like, where do you think you're going anywhere? And, and so, you know, this is the only shelter is the Christian conscious movement. You're not going to get it anywhere else. Everywhere else is shallow, mundane. So I really felt that uh, how merciful Prabhupada was, as primitive as our surroundings were. I mean, the temple I joined, you know what it was before it was a temple? A funeral parlor. Yeah, Jayananda Prabhu opened that place. Jayananda opened that, that, it was a funeral parlor. The place in the kitchen, where, that's where we set up our kitchen, that used to be where they put the bodies. And they'd embalm the bodies there. I mean, Krishna conscious movement, we started with, you know, sticks and rubber bands holding everything together. But Prabhupada didn't care because he knew that the, the Hare Krishna mantra was so powerful that anybody was chanting it. He depended on these kids. 
we were just kids and he would give kids that were 16 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, he'd hand them over a whole country and say, here, go, you manage this country. <laughs> and why did he do that? Because he knew that these kids were chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra and Krishna would watch out for them. And that's the secret of the Hare Krishna movement. It's being run by Krishna. And anybody who surrenders to the process, just agree, all you have to do is agree. There's a little chit with a box on it. It says, I agree. I should surrender to Krishna. I'm, I'm, I'm taking full shelter. You, once you do that, you're in. And Krishna can use you to expand the Krishna conscious movement. We have time for zero more questions because we're over time. Oh my God. We can just take two more. You'll have to select who it is and then we go. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhuji. You said about reading books, so I have had this experience that book, reading books were a very nectarian activity, but now I feel it has become very hackneyed, like very difficult to go through, especially I am reading Bhagavad Gita, so I am reading it second time, so till second chapter I was feeling it is very nice, but now I have reached to eighth chapter and it has become very hackneyed, so how to continue on while and why does this happen? Like, I know that it is very nice reading books of Prabhupada, but now I don't know why I don't get that enthusiasm to read and how to develop that so that same taste can come. Well, in any discipline, there are times when you're doing the practice. Every sadhya has a sadhana. And in order to get to that sadhya, you, you have to keep up with the sadhana. And in the beginning, the sadhana is vaiti. It's rules and regulations because we don't have a taste. If you take to an athletic endeavor, some sport, some days you're going to feel like, oh, I feel great, my heart's pumping, I'm going. Other days you don't want to get out of bed, but you still got to get up at five and run your three miles before you eat breakfast, you know, if you're an athlete. So the fact is that in any discipline, you have to understand um, that I have to do it anyway. And the same thing Rupa Goswami says about chanting the holy names of the Lord. He said, I have a disease, jaundice, and therefore everything I taste that's sweet actually tastes bitter. But then he says, keep taking it, because there's a curative effect. So same thing with reading, chanting. In the beginning, sometimes I can't taste the sweetness. But we'll regulative, through regulated process, continue hearing. Then you'll start to develop that. Also, it's helpful to be in the association of those who already have a taste, because that'll rub off. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, while going for book discussion, what should I carry for book discussion? And the uh, second thing is that when sometimes in my life also um, some up down come in Krishna consciousness. So what how to overcome that situation? Which? Up down. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. Up and down. Up and down. Down. Very helpful is to become an instrument. Don't think that you're the doer. Don't try to get some result for your personal 
aggrandizement and think like, oh, I have to do some, I have to perform in order to be accepted in, in the devotee society. If I have a good score, then I'll be celebrated. People will put me on a palanquin. And then I'll be, like, my name will be everywhere. This kind of attitude is not very helpful. But if you just think, I'm going for self-purification. I'm going out to get purified. And I'm an instrument. That'll be very helpful. And what to do about ups and downs? One thing is to organize your life so that you don't have as many downs. You try to minimize them as much as possible. So, like, there's this thing when people, when they have a child, they have to think about it ahead of time because the child's going to try to wreck the whole house. That's what kids do. They walk around, they pull everything off the shelves, they put it in their mouth, little babies. So in America, we have a saying that you baby-proof your house. So in the same way, you have to baby-proof your life. Because the mind is like a little baby. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't like it. And so you have to organize in such a way that you can always be close to Krishna consciousness. You take away all the obstacles as much as possible. So if you have a, for instance, one of the problems that you can run into in your bhajan is distraction. That takes away your taste if you get distracted. So if you, if you take away all the distracting parts of your life, try to eliminate them as much as possible. That will be helpful. Also, sleep is a problem in performing steady bhajan. That's one of the, there are these five obstacles to performing steady bhajan. First one is sleep. Second one is distraction. Third one is you just don't care. Fourth one is that you have innate bad qualities that come out. And the last one is that the senses get attracted to their objects. So if you plan ahead and you try to avoid those obstacles as much as possible, then you can remain steadier in the practice of devotional service. The fact is, if you fall away from the practice, the prescription is that you just pick it back up again. And over time, just like a baby trying to learn to walk, the baby gets up and falls back down again. It gets stronger every time it gets back up. So it takes some time, like a lifetime of practice, in order to come to a state of maturity. So the main thing is to keep going, no matter what. Don't get discouraged. We just take one more question, then we've got to go. Did you ask one already? You didn't, okay. you don't have any families here. <laughs> At one side he was saying that it's a fault, and then he said, well actually it's a benefit because you don't have to worry about it so much. It's like that's one of the things about Western culture is uh, we really don't have that much 
I mean, it, to me, when I see the families in India, I see what, how entangling it is. I never <laughs> see, seen so many cousins. I mean, where do you get all these cousins from? There's millions of them. That's why devotees in America, I say, just stay here. Don't go back to India. They'll have like 50 million cousins knocking on the door. The Shastra cancer is Devarshi Bhutatnam Rinam Pitrinam Nakinkaro Nayam Rinicharajan Saravamaraya Sharanam Sharanyam Gatomukandang Prihritakartam. Bhagavatam says it. I mean, it's very clear. It says, You're a debtor when you're born, Rini. But if you surrender to Govinda, Mukunda, you're not a debtor to anybody. This is a practical thing. I said, I came here, I put both my parents' ashes in the Jamuna. I was of uh, four children. Uh, I was the youngest. My parents were like 40 when I was conceived. So they were like older for me. And then they died when they were 90s, in their 90s. And one, one after the other, one year, and my father, first my father died, and then my mother a year later. So I, I had him cremated, and uh, then I brought the ashes to the Jamuna. And I met, before I went on that boat to go out into Jamuna, put their ashes in, and my god sister Samapriya was here. Old friend, she's also a book distributor from way back, and uh, she started telling me the story, how she was uh, in the early part of her life, she had, um, she had left her family, came from a Jewish family. They're very uh, tight, tight-knit usually. And uh, her, her brothers became very angry with her because she left and really was not part of the family because she was just fully absorbed. You know, back in the 70s, so many devotees just left. And so one of the brothers wouldn't even talk to her because felt like, you know, you didn't do your duty. And then the mother got sick. And it was obvious she was going to die within six months. So Samapriya went back to take care of her mother at the end. Especially the last three months were very intense. And all the other siblings couldn't handle it. I noticed this also. When my parents left. Not all my, my uh, siblings could actually be there for the final thing. I was lucky. I was able to be there with my mother till the last minute. And she, anyway, it's a long story. But the fact is that Samapriya was able to like really be there with her mother completely until she left her body. And after she did, the brother that wouldn't talk to her came to her and she, he said, now I understand. We were meant to take care of her during life. You were the only one qualified to take care of her during death. And how did she become qualified to take care of her during death? By giving herself to the practice of Krishna consciousness. I mean, you know, engineering, you know how much it takes to be an engineer, right? You've got to really study. You can't joke around. But to speak of Krishna consciousness, this is a science to beat all sciences. You really have to be serious. And if you want to be a serious enough scientist to help people when they leave their body, to help your parents on that level, you really have to become a pure devotee. What good does it do, really, to go back and cater to their every demand. In fact, I've seen it a couple times. Devotees, Indian devotees in America, and say, oh, I've got to go back to take care of my parents. This has happened twice, at least. And uh, remarkably, one of them went back and sent all his furniture back to India and stuff. He went there to take care of his father. 
in the last, you know, 10 years of his life. And a month after he was there, his father died. And then, uh, and then his mother said, you know, I really don't need you around anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm okay. And, and it's it just, you don't know what's going to happen, the material world. This idea that I'll go back, be with my parents, a lot of times kids go back and then they just get bored or the parents go like, you know, do you have to be around here so much, hanging out? It, it, it's, it's really hard, the material affection thing, because, you know, there's a love-hate relationship anyway. Um, material relationships don't really work that well. On the other side, you know, there is a dharmic, uh, you should show gratitude and take care of your parents to, what, to the best degree you can, but to the degree, Tavat Sarvish, um, what verse am I thinking? Tava Karmani Purvita Navid Yeti to Karma Tavan Sorry, jet lag, it's not coming in my head. Um, the verse in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam says, Until the time that you have full full realization in Krishna conscious taste for hearing and chanting, you have to keep up all your Varnashram duties and so forth. So you have to find your way forward in life. Remember, however, that your main duty is to Krishna conscious. And really, ultimately, we really can't help anybody. Krishna is Mukunda. He helps people. I start thinking, oh, I'm going to take care of my mom, dad. Say, I see my parents when they got old. I'd go visit them sometimes. And uh, once I saw my mother, there was this ladder that folded down so she could go in the attic and get stuff out. And there she was in her late 80s. She was pretty healthy, but she was climbing up and down this ladder. And I go, Mom, don't climb the ladder. You know, she looked down at me. She goes, what do you think I've been doing for the last 86 years? You know, you weren't here the last 40 years. You know, I've been climbing this ladder. Why do you think I need you right now to just to tell me don't climb the ladder? And I, you know, I was just thinking, Krishna's taking care of uh, all these people, including our parents. So you have to balance it out. But the, the, the real weight should come down to the fact that the main duty in life is to become Krishna conscious. And that's the only way you can really help people. And if you become a pure devotee, you're going to deliver your family members and ancestry just by becoming a pure devotee, as, as explained by... The Lord to Prahlad Maharaj and Srimad Bhagavatam. Thank you very much, everybody, for dedicating your life to Krishna consciousness. Some of the best dancers I've ever seen in my life. And keep up. One of the most uh, important practices in Krishna consciousness is dancing. So I'm going to write a book soon. It's called Never Miss a Chance to Dance. <laughs> so really, I mean... then first of all, you'll lift everybody up around you. And second of all, you'll, all the anartas will just be knocked out of your system. That's an easy way to knock them out. And then your chanting will be really nice. So dance as much as you can and uh, be happy. Hare Krishna. Natchari Armarman, 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 Natchari Armarman.